Hey guys, Steve Baker here, your friendly neighborhood TPC. I am down in Tampa, Florida right now, spending a little time with my daughter before we kick off the TPC uh, 2021 Roadshow. Uh, I've got a lot I want to cover today, but first, I feel it necessary to give you a bit of an update on what's happening here with TPC. Where we've been, what I'm up to right now, and where we want to be in the coming months. As most of you already know, 2020 was an especially not fun year for me, personally. The, the COVID lockdowns literally put me out of business for over a year. The silver lining of that deplatforming of the entire live music business is that it did give me the opportunity to expand what I've been doing with TPC over the you know, the last decade plus. Uh, at this time last year, I actually brought on a partner for the first time, uh, Scott Law, and we decided to make our first foray into other media forms outside of just social media. Uh, and this is beyond my daily writing and commentary on the news of the day. So we launched a blog page and we started audio and video podcasting. And Believe me, this has been somewhat of a learning curve and a growing pain for me, especially because primarily I'm, I'm a writer and learning how to create uh, something other than just, you know, these anemic uh, low budget videos and podcasts is is both a time consuming and quite frankly, an expensive proposition. Learning how to budget my own time and efforts uh, between all the above still remains a process for me, uh, still learning. Deciding what to write about versus you know what I want to record or what needs to be recorded for podcast or for video is, is something I'm still trying to learn how to balance. And uh, I'm studying the process. I'm trying to learn from others, getting advice from professionals in the field. So I'm trying to learn more every day, and, and hopefully that you know this process is improving. I'm hoping that you're seeing improvement in the process anyway. While, while all of that was developing last year, we then, as you know, ran into the devastating attacks from social media, particularly Facebook, uh, with those heavy reach restrictions, the shadow banning, the suspension of our ad account, deleted stories and posts and articles that I'd written, and then, of course, even Facebook jail. It's still mind-boggling that the jail event that I went through recently was precipitated by my commentary on a peer-reviewed study published on the NIH website, NIH standing for the National Institutes of Health, a 27-agency federal bureaucracy uh, that actually cuts Dr. Fauci's paycheck, by the way. That's who they are. They dinged me because of one single disputed word in the entire study, not even my commentary. Because of that one word, Facebook, they unleashed a Hollywood gossip columnist uh, come fact checker on me. No, they didn't send a science journalist or a medical journalist against me. They shot me down with a Hollywood gossip columnist. So when I responded with a full-throated counteroffensive, producing even more NIH studies contradicting the entertainment uh, writer's fact check and validating the original study's assertion about that one word, they, well, they responded by uh, throwing me in Facebook jail. All in all, the net result of that and other similar petty, you know, quote-unquote partially false fact checks has 
created the inability for me to reach our long established and loyal following with the news of all that's been, you know, going on and, and all the things that we've been working on for the last year. Facebook won't even allow me any longer to buy ads. Literally, they won't take money from me to buy an ad that will allow me to get past their penalizing algorithms and reach restrictions so that I can reach TPC's readership. Nevertheless, uh, over the last year, we barreled through, and sometime, I think it was in uh, late October, early November, I announced that I was going to be reinventing myself, even at this time in life. And this was after a over 40-year career in the music business uh, to making TPC my primary focus, no longer just a hobby. And you know, hoping to do this while not ending my music career, but I did make the decision that from this point forward, that music would take the second seat to TPC in terms of my focus and my attentions and the vast majority of my uh, personal time. That commitment still remains, despite the hardships and the growing pains. Uh, the question is, <laughs> still remains what to do, you know, with my own time management issues as the music business slowly starts, you know, uh, loosening up and coming back to life after all the lockdowns. As yet, uh, here at TPC, we can't yet afford to hire a staff of writers and editors and video producers and that sort of thing and assistants that would allow me to field general all of this and then come sit down in front of a camera or sit down in front of a microphone and record the things I've written. I still got to do most of this myself. The, the, the simple solution should have been obvious to me from the very beginning, but really didn't come to me until recently. In fact, while I spent several hours in the car this weekend doing, you know, enjoying what I call uh, windshield therapy. And that was during my drive from North Carolina down here to Florida. You see, the thing is, is I'm going to write no matter what. Writing has been my salvation for decades. I have to write down what I think and what I observe. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I think any writer will tell you that that's something we have to do. So most of what I write never gets published. You should see the reams of things that I put down I used to say on paper but now it's on the computer or in my phone notes or whatever I write and write and write all the time I'm constantly keeping notes about thoughts that come into my mind sometimes they're fully exploited and sometimes they're fully realized and then they still never get published so as I said I'm going to write no matter what so rather than worrying about what I'm also going to record for you know audio or video I'm, I'm just simply going to start recording everything that I write down and then you know comment and update on those written thoughts accordingly as the news of the day develops and changes into whatever it's going to change into, uh, you know, or, or even though it may progress beyond what I originally writ have written about. Uh, it was kind of a just a duh moment for me. But as I said, much of this process the audio and video podcasting process is brand new to me. The fact is, uh, many of TPC's longest-term followers don't even read my longer commentaries. I know who you are, and you know who you are. That's because you'll comment on the headlines that I write, or on the first sentence or the first paragraph, and then in the comments you'll ask questions about the very things that I've already covered and the things that I've already answered in the text of that particular article. Uh, I mean, this literally happens every day. Every day into almost every single thing that I write. And I get it. Uh, we're all different. TLDR, too long didn't read, is a real thing in today's society. So it is I who then must adapt in order to conquer this, you know, new world uh, audio and video podcast media. Still, some of us 
prefer the written word. Some of you want, you know, flashy video commentary with lots of graphics and that sort of thing. I, I understand that. We're not ready for that yet. And still others don't even have the time for either video or the written word, but you have asked me and you've begged me for all of these things that we're producing, all the content we're producing to be you know, allocated to the podcast format so that on Apple, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, whatever it is, that while you're commuting to and from work every day that you can... You know, you can listen to what we're producing and that's the world in which we live. So I have to just figure out how to make it all work for you guys and for all of the different types of um, expectations of di- different people. Can't please all the people all the time, but I'm going to do my best with the limited time that I have avail- available. So even if you can't get to TPC content in real time, typically what I write, and maybe the news is a little old or maybe it's evolved a little bit, maybe my take on what has already happened happened even two or three or four days ago is still worthy uh, of a review on a podcast uh, when you yourself can finally get to it. That said, I'm going to spend a few minutes today and hopefully now much more often, I can't promise every day, but much more often uh, covering some of the things that I've just written about from day to day to day. I'm still learning. So Again, thanks for all of you that have hung with me over these last few months of that learning curve as I am uh, working through this process. All right, so now, before I get to those stories that I want to review, let's uh, let's get the commercial portion of this podcast out of the way. As I previously mentioned, I made the decision last fall to take TPC on as my full-time endeavor. Part of that process meant that we have to generate income. It's just a fact of life. And we decided to search through all the obvious crowdfunding sites, including Patreon, you know, to figure out uh, which would be the best fit for TPC and our goals. Of course, as we all know, the cancel culture and the deplatforming of Liberty Voices is just as rampant among those crowdfunding platforms as they are on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. So we took a hard look at uh, Dave Rubin's Locals platform and decided to make that TPC's permanent new hub, both as a launching pad for all of our content, but also as our primary crowdfunding platform. And and many of you have already heard me extol the virtues of our our Locals community over all the other social media platforms, but in quick review for those who haven't, on Locals, our voice is truly a free voice. We don't have any fact checkers or algorithms seeking out offensive words, phrases, or concepts that don't conform to the politically correct narrative of uh, any given day. There's no shadow banning. There's no throttling of our content. If you set up your notification preferences to see every single thing that we post, Unlike on Facebook, where you can you know, select see first and following for a particular page and then never again see that page. On Locals, if you set up your notifications properly, you will see every single thing that we post. Amazing concept, huh? You can set it up to receive notifications directly from the phone app. Uh, you can set them up to receive them via email or both, and then consequently you'll never miss a thing. My only obligation to Locals is that I keep all the content legal and I keep it clean. That's it. If I make a mistake on the science or the data or I get one word wrong uh, or if I express an unpopular opinion, we will never be deplatformed there. 
the First Amendment is still alive and well and still respected on locals. Also, in our locals community, I'm literally inviting our supporters to post your own content. Now, this is very different than anything I've ever offered on our other social media sites. If you follow the same rules of keeping it legal and you keep it clean, even if I disagree with your opinion, even if I disagree with what you posted, uh, be it an article or a study or whatever, we'll use that opportunity to respectfully discuss and debate those ideas. That's what it's for. It's a community. It's absolutely free to subscribe to our TPC Locals community. But for as little as $5 per month, you can have full participation privileges. You can post your own content. And you'll also receive exclusive content from me that I share nowhere else, not even on our own Pragmatic Constitutionalist blog page. So here's what I'm asking for and from all of you today. Simply stated, especially with the new TPC road trip now in full you know, gear uh, and my intention of visiting and holding meetings in all regions of the country over the next year, as I promised, we need your support more so than ever before. I know that some people believe that they should receive all of their content for free. Uh, that really started with the whole digital revolution, you know, Napster and, and other uh, downloading type sites, like free songs and video games and software and movies. And then the, the music industry and the movie industry and the software industry trying to figure out how best to make those deliveries with people that were going to share them, you know, because it's just digital information, they're going to share it anyway, and try to figure out a way of, of capitalizing on that. So they came up with subscription services and that sort of thing. So now, anyway, uh, we have an entire generation of people who think that everything should be free. You know, not just their video games and their music, but uh, obviously their tuitions and their housing and blah, 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 blah. That's a whole other story. But the truth is, is that Facebook and YouTube, they're not free either. Quite the opposite. Not only do you have to wade through constant commercial interruptions of content, but in fact, on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and most other social media platforms, you are the product. You got that? You're the product. And that's because with your search and your viewing habits being monitored, collected, sold, and sometimes exploited in ways you would never approve of if you knew exactly what they were doing, they're costing you a lot more than you know. So anyway, on Locals, our experience is not only ad-free, no advertisements whatsoever, no one is collecting your data. No one is monitoring your viewing habits. No one is selling your information. And TPC is only supported by your voluntary generosity. That's why the experience is not beholden to political correctness, wokeness, the cancel culture, the oligarchs of big tech, or big anybody else uh, for that matter. So again, for as little as $5 per month, you can get all the above from TPC and our locals community. You can commit to more as many have done, but we will be forever honored and blessed with your sacrifice of only one foo-foo coffee shop concoction per month. <laughs> all of us, most of us anyway, we waste $5 on a myriad of frivolities all the time, sometimes every day. 
So, will you please consider making TPC one of those frivolities in your life? You can do more, and uh, we're hoping that the vast majority of you will do at least $5 a month in helping us continue growing and expanding. Locals has also, by the way, made available to me the ability to give you two free months of full supporter access to our community if you make a contribution of $50 uh, rather than just the $5 per month. So, $5 a month equals $60 per year. But if you make a one-time payment of $50, you'll save 10 bucks. So it's the equivalent of two free months. And uh, you'll get all of the supporter uh, access that I've mentioned above. And it's very needed right now. As yet, we don't have, you know, the similar mug club type program but we do have some items being designed even as we speak so we hope to, we've taken our store down on the blog site but we're going to populate it pretty soon with some new items again technical issues that we're trying to overcome uh, with limited staffing and resources right now but uh, those things are coming so i can't wait to unveil those to you in the meantime please just take a moment go to the pragmatic constitutionalist dot locals dot com the pragmatic constitutionalist dot locals dot com feel free to subscribe for free please also consider at least you know checking us out as a supporter for five dollars because you can cancel anytime even if you just go one month but if you feel that you can commit to a full year you'll get those two free months available to you and that is available to everyone right now even if you're a current subscriber you can go in and upgrade to that by the way and there's an upgrade option in there you'll see that seriously thank you so much for following and believing in me and what we're doing at tpc and for some of you that's been for a lot of years now i hope you can help us continue putting the content out there and help us make the leap to the next level all right there's my only commercial announcement of the day so not too shabby no more interruptions here we go let's dive right in here's a little something from from what I call the COVID Wayback Machine, and I decided to make this one open to everyone. I have a I have a ongoing series for our local supporters called the COVID Wayback Machine, which are review content that I've posted typically a year ago to the day uh, back, so we can look back at where we were during this whole COVID crisis. But in this particular one, I wanted this to make this one available to everyone. I wrote this exactly a year ago, yesterday, as a matter of fact, uh, yesterday being Sunday, the 23rd of May. I was in quite a mood, evidently, when I wrote this a year ago. Uh, at least it seemed so by going back and looking at it. By that time, May 23rd last year, we were... We were two months at least into the ubiquitous two weeks to flatten the curve, and many university studies were already pouring forth information that the IFR, the infected fatality rate for COVID-19, wasn't nearly as scary as what the um, media and the bureaucrats had been projecting up to that point. By mid-May of last year, even the CDC was confessing to a survivability rate of 99.74% as an average across across all age groups and all um, risk groups. Our state level and our city and local tyrants were all aware of these numbers. They were very much aware that total lockdowns were not the answer to saving lives, but rather they should have developed a strategy that protected the most at-risk groups while allowing the economy and the schools and the rest of us to get up and running again. But by May, it was too late. The all-too-willing early subservience of the American public had given those petty tyrants the scent of mass fear and lockdowns. And um, 
They just took it to the next level everywhere without any consequential opposition whatsoever. When I read this review of what I wrote a year ago and realized how accurate it was, and quite frankly, how accurate I had been even up to that point on the real science and data, I I just, man, it just made me so mad. And I wanted to shake my fist at Zuckerberg, particularly because that was our primary home at the time on Facebook, and just demand, you know, I wish I could get to him and and demand that he release my reach restrictions and all the other penalties that are still imposed um, by his false and politically predisposed fact checkers over the last year. I I know it's not going to happen, but rereading this piece from a year ago puts me back in that exact same mood again. I I did get one thing wrong in that article, though. I made made this statement. Let me quote from what I'm about to read in advance of that. It still sucks to have another flu running concurrently to our normal run-of-the-mill flus that have killed millions of people and will continue to do so because those flu vaccines generally suck too. You see, at the time, May, a year ago, no one realized that shutting down the nation's schools and most office buildings for a full year would effectively kill the spread of those run-of-the-mill flu bugs and prevent the expected twindemic uh, this past flu season. Ironically, though, while those measures killed the flu season, they did not stop the coming surges and spikes of COVID cases during that same winter and fall cold weather season. There are actual sciency and data reporting reasons why this happened, and I'm not going to get into those today. They're covered in our coming book, though. Bottom line, I expected the twindemic. It didn't happen to any significant level. Oh, and by the way, please don't anyone dare come up to me right now and start telling me that it's only because of the lockdowns and because of the mask wearing and because of the social distancing. That's not how IFR works. Infected fatality rate does not take into account. It doesn't matter. That's the It's based on the numbers of people calculated to be infected. If you're infected, well, then the mask and the lockdowns and the social distancing didn't help you. But if you're still having problems with it, uh, you need to do a little bit more homework on the differences between IFR and CFR, case fatality rate. If those differences still elude you, the understanding still eludes you, look it up, study it, read it. I'm just not currently in the mood to go over it again. I've exhaustively gone over that so many times in the last year. One year ago yesterday, May 23rd, 2020, I called this particular article Your Daily Denialist. And here's what I wrote. I wasn't wrong two and a half months ago, and I am still not wrong today. This, despite being repeatedly called a denialist and a scaremonger since this whole hashtag commie virus thing began, which I find rather amusing because, first, I have no idea what I've denied. And second, I've been on the exact opposite side of the truly scary mainstream media's scariest scaremonger since day one of all the scariness. We'll get to the latest CD numbers shortly, CDC numbers shortly, but first, let's review. From the very earliest published accounts of mortality rates at somewhere between 4 and 5% that scared the shit out of the whole world and radically transformed our 2020 vocabularies, I've been 100% consistent in saying, uh, no. The final numbers are going to come in somewhere between 0.1% and 0.3%. And I've still yet to call anyone a Karen. 
at least not with my outside boys. Well, lo and behold, the mighty CDC has finally pulled their collective denominators out of their bureaucratic asses after consulting a fifth grade pre-common core arithmetic primer and having entered all the relevant variables this time into their super abacus. Then they remembered to carry the two, and voila, the most recent math brings the Rona mortality rate down to 0.26%. Remember, I wrote this on May 23rd, 2020. The CDC published that number just before that. Back to the article. Almost exactly where the smart kids at both Stanford and UCLA had it over a month ago, and those two... Southern Cal doctors, you remember those on YouTube who were bounced, they came up with the same 0.26 number themselves. Oh, and if you're under 65, you don't weigh 450 pounds, and you're not forcibly relocated by New York's governor to live in a place called the happiest last two months of your life because you're sick as fuck senior rest home and bingo parlor, you're more likely to be killed by a vengeful coconut tree than by COVID-19. And at the time, those numbers were a true story. For that, we've put at least 40 million Americans on the unemployment rolls and set in motion a global economic train wreck that will ultimately dwarf this particular coronavirus's death toll by a factor of about 10. But I'm sure we saved at least one life from the COVID. So, totally worth it. While the MSM ignores the CDC's latest numbers, continues to parade forth their experts warning us that we're reopening hair salons and churches too soon, kindergartners must wear masks to school, and we can't yet safely even attend a guar concert. Okay, okay. No one ever safely attends a guar concert. I'm somehow now the denialist and the scaremonger in our midst. As late as yesterday, there are people still hitting this page, still claiming those old 4 to 5% mortality rates and calling me a grandma killer, telling me I need to stay home or that I need to wear a mask until there's a cure, or I should be arrested and charged with murder for possibly you know, asymptomatically spreading this disease. Where do these people get their news and information? Is the math really that hard? What's the root source of the predisposition of so many to automatically believe claims by power-hungry government bureaucrats and, if it bleeds, it leads news media, that the world is coming to an end tomorrow by either disease, overpopulation, climate chaos, or you know, Fred Trump's spawn. And when none of that ever happens, I'm somehow the denialist? Again, let's be clear. According to the latest CDC numbers, the overall COVID-19 survivability rate stands at 99.74%. Now, I've been saying 99.8%, but just wait. We'll get there. If you're under 65, not morbidly obese, and don't have a handful of serious pre-existing health problems, your survivability rate is greater than that of tomorrow's commute to work, assuming that you still have a job. Roughly, for most people, it's greater than 99.99%. But 
You're not going to hear that good news today on NPR or CNN. Now, don't get me wrong, and I repeat, it still sucks to have another flu running concurrently to our normal run-of-the-mill flus that have killed millions of people and still continue to do so because those vaccines generally suck. Commivirus 2020, while not even fractionally as dangerous as we were lied to believe, you see what I did there, is also going to eventually kill millions before it runs its course. That's what these things do, and there's nothing we can do about it. We're all going to eventually be exposed. 60-ish percent of us are going to be infected. And if you're even moderately healthy, it's statistically the least likely thing that's going to kill you. P.S. Before you ask me where I get these survivability rate numbers, please just send me a self-addressed, pre-stamped envelope along with a check for $9.95. And I'll send you a personalized, autographed, handwritten, grade school math equation suitable for framing and hanging next to your velvet Elvis portrait. And that's normally a $29.95 value. <laughs> that's the end of that from May 23rd, 2020, one year ago. Now, keeping on the same topic, I wrote this short screed just a couple of days ago, and I entitled this one, The Damning Math is Coming. Here's what I wrote. Dr. Monica Gandy, an infectious diseases specialist at the University of California, San Francisco, and Amy Beck, an associate professor of pediatrics, also at UCSF, wrote a commentary for hospital pediatrics that accompanied two studies. They wrote, taken together, these studies underscore the importance of clearly distinguishing between children hospitalized with SARS-CoV-2 found on universal testing versus those hospitalized for COVID-19 disease. The studies demonstrate, they said, that reported hospitalization rates greatly overestimate the true burden of COVID-19 disease in children. Gandhi told Intelligencer that while the studies were both conducted with data from California hospitals, there is no reason to think these findings would be exclusive to California. This sort of retrospective chart review will likely reveal the same findings across the country. Now, I've been telling you for over a year that when the truth comes out about the numbers of hospitalizations and deaths for those with versus those because of the virus known as COVID-19, that we will be aware of one of the biggest dis disinformation scandals in world history. In these two studies, it was revealed that such an exaggeration was as high as 40% among children in California alone. TPC followers, who are also medical professionals, have been reporting to me and to us these deliberate types of overestimates and exaggerations for months, including their own requirements to classify ER visits, you know, with that are just bacterial infections of all types as COVID cases themselves, even when patients had tested negative from the virus. Now, hang on to your hats. The data and the studies validating these particular truths that we've been reporting for over a year now are going to start coming forward now in torrents. SARS-CoV-2, as they call it, and its potential danger to certain people, it's not a scam. 
Much of how this has been handled, though, and how it's been reported by politicos and medical bureaucrats most definitely validates, though, that phrase, scamdemic. All right, let's change subjects here for a moment very quickly. How many of you know that the 4.2 inflation rate, as recently reported by the government, is an absolute lie? If you're not already aware, plywood prices are up over 400%. Do you think that those are included in the calculation? I don't think so. Gasoline, which averaged uh, nationwide about a buck 74 per gallon one year ago today, now averages over $3 per gallon nationwide. And if you haven't noticed, a trip to the meat section at your local Publix grocery store drives you to veganism. Not really. Not for me. I'll eat anything, including Vienna sausages if I have to, before I'm willing to give up meat. Now, I'm also reading where economists are saying that if the government came clean with real inflation rates right now and reported it in the mainstream media, it would panic all markets, possibly accelerating us into deep recession or even a depression, just as our economy is finally being allowed to struggle back to life after more than a year of targeted pandemic shutdowns. Now, I find that kind of contradictory, considering that government had no problem fear panicking the entire country into giving up their freedoms over the you know the COVID scare. So I'm working on that math feverishly right now, both in my head and in my free time. And, and my, my knee-jerk assumption is that the current powers that be in the White House and in the current administration in D.C., they recognize that we truly are on the brink of a major economic downturn. And if it were to come into being too quickly for their purposes, it would doom them in the 2022 midterm elections. I mean, literally creating an electoral massacre a massacre that would occur giving both the Senate and the House back to the GOP and probably giving them huge majorities in the process. So my suspicion is that we are about to begin hearing a new and increased type of messaging of necessary sacrifices need to be made by all Americans so that we can transition our economy away from dependence upon the planet-killing fossil fuel industry. Now, one aspect of those sacrifices will be for all of us to expect higher prices on all things that are dependent upon oil to get to market. Well, guess what? Everything depends upon oil to get to market. So everything is going to be more expensive. Oil will literally become the greatest villain of our lifetimes. I, I honestly believe that that's coming now. And this is going to be a villain greater than the Wuhan virus. It's going to be a villain greater than the USSR ever was. It's going to be greater than the villain that the CCP is today. But in that same process, there will only be a downplaying of the Washington, D.C. spending binge and the fiat creation of money that's been overwhelmingly the obvious culprit that's devaluing the value of our dollar and sending prices surging. When I say it's obvious, it's obvious to those of us who study history, those of us who understand the basic tenets of Econ 101, and to those of us who have ears to hear what's being messaged from the Bolsheviks already inside the gate. Besides that, 
My trip yesterday to the meat market really pissed me off. All right, please allow me to translate something here. Biden last week answered a reporter's question saying he would prevent his Department of Justice from seizing journalists' phone and email records. Biden said, absolutely, positively, it's wrong. It's simply, simply wrong. Mm, Okay, that's cute. Really cute. While I'm sure a bunch of left-leaning libertarians who voted for Biden are, you know, they're creaming themselves right now over hearing this, and I'm speaking to you guys over there at Reason Magazine, let's review a few facts first. Do you remember when Eric Holder, Obama's attorney general, collected phone records of journalists working for the Associated Press and Fox News? Well, step forward another administration, and it's now alleged that Trump's attorney general, William Barr, he collected email and phone data from Washington Post and CNN journalists. In response to that, White House spokes robot uh, Jen Psaki, she said in a recent briefing that we're not going to follow the Barr model. <laughs> well, Barr responded to that comment after the briefing that Psaki held. Did I say Psaki? Saki, however you pronounce it. Barr said, All I have to say to this is I followed the Holder model. Okay, all right. That's just politics as usual. Back and forth, each side blaming the other side. So believe what you want, but here's the reality. They, they being the feds, they don't need to seize phone and email records. They already have them, all of them. Technically, they may have to require a warrant to access them, but there are enough loopholes in the Patriot Act to already make all of us criminals, including every journalist on the planet. They can look at anything they wish. First and Fourth Amendments be damned. Those are just mere technicalities already long dealt with in recent legislation. You use a VPN, Signal, DuckDuckGo, and ProtonMail? Well, that's cute too. Really cute. ProtonMail proudly boasts that they are protected by Swiss privacy laws. Hmm. I began studying this over 20 years ago, and those privacy protections all but went away in 1996 with the U.S.-Switzerland Tax Treaty. In short, this treaty allows the Swiss government to share any U.S. expat Swiss tax information with the IRS, as well as their offshore Swiss banking and investment account, their details and balances everything. In short, in this treaty, the term records and documents is defined as an all-inclusive term covering all forms of recorded information exchanged between US citizens and whatever Swissing, whatever Swiss <laughs> Swissing, whatever Swiss uh, banking or entities in which they're doing business. Do you really think that the NSA doesn't also already capture every piece of data traveling via uh, proton mail and that it's not readily accessible to the FBI with an approved warrant of course obviously for anyone that they have a photo of waving a trump flag at a maga rally does anyone reading this truly believe that a russian hacker gang can dry up the fuel supplies of 15,000 us east coast gas station but the nsa can't see and hear what they're sending or saying on signal or wicker 
I mean, sure, those encryption protections might keep Facebook or Amazon from learning what color undies you prefer when shopping for your trans reveal party. But if private hackers broke Apple's multi-layer security and encryption, the FBI and the NSA are jointly eye-rolling and smirking. Even when they can't break the codes themselves, well, the FBI will just contract out to some underground, you know, source in the world of hackerdom and voila that's because money and the free market wins every time you need something done you can't get it done yourself in the government you hire a free market hacker and boom you're in at this point though our options are few well actually it seems like our options are only two first option is we can eschew all technology go off the grid you know move into a cave or into the mountains or something and well, that's just not uh, likely for all of us, and nobody really wants to do that. Second option is that we can just accept the fact that there is no more privacy, and we can just speak truth at all times and let the cards fall where they may. Uh, because really, there is no such thing as privacy any longer, not if you're plugged in to the Internet uh, on the grid in any way, shape, or form, if you're using credit cards, if you're using your telephone in any way. There is especially no longer any protections of your private communications or of your opinions and speech if they are outside the acceptable narrative of the neo-Marxists now in charge. That goes for credentialed journalists, citizen journalists, and every other average Joe and Jane posting their thoughts on social media. Biden's assertion about protecting journalists' communications was partially just a backhanded slap at uh, Trump and a, a tactical diversion from the reality of what the Fed's capabilities actually are. Of course, obviously, on the other hand, Biden himself may have, have no idea what reality actually is at this point, while, you know, robo-mouth Jim Psaki and other of his administration's handlers took advantage of what he said for their political and disinformation purposes. You may or may not already be aware, not only has this war already begun, but as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, the Bolsheviks are already inside the gates. I mean, the literal gates that they erected since January 6th. So, with that knowledge, proceed accordingly. All right, that's enough for today. If you're not already on our road trip email list, it is a separate list from all the other ones that we keep, and it's separate from our locals community. So please send me an email to steve at thepragmaticconstitutionalist.com. Again, steve at thepragmaticconstitutionalist.com. I just need your email address. If you want to provide your phone number, that's fine. Get on that list, and I can better keep you posted of when I'm going to be in your area this year. Uh, also, if you can help sponsor a meeting or if you're part of a Liberty group um, who might be interested in co-hosting or hosting a TPC meetup, by all means, get me that email out as soon as you possibly can. Uh, again, it's steve at thepragmaticconstitutionalist.com. Uh, don't forget to do that right now before you forget. Thank you guys so much, and I hope to see all of you pop up over in our Locals community very soon. Once again, this is Steve Baker, the Pragmatic Constitutionalist, TPC for short, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks. 